Well, good morning. Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Nick Raimondo, and I'm going to bring some announcements to you. Um, we're really glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Hope you had a great week. But before we get going too far, let me point out a few things. This, this guy back here on the cajon who's got the long hair and is a goofball is also the middle school youth pastor. If you're not following Waypoint Student Ministries on Instagram, if you want to have some entertainment, go ahead and start following them. Because the past three days, they've been driving around to each student's house delivering the summer t-shirt. And they're still not done. They're going to be going out next week delivering more t-shirts. And so if you're a student in high school or middle school and you want a summer t-shirt, go to Instagram, go in the bio, and put your address in there. If you don't have an Instagram, message Austin or somebody so that you can make sure you get your t-shirt. And almost every video, Austin's wearing the dumbest looking hat and uses a different accent and makes it a lot of fun. So follow them on Waypoint Student Ministries on Instagram. It's a really cool thing that both Mitchell and Austin are doing. Along with that, the summer schedule is released. It's at the Info Center. So all of the youth events are posted on a nice little postcard that you can put on your fridge or you can follow along. We posted it on Facebook and you'll know exactly what's going on, what events your kids can go to. Um, it's open to incoming sixth graders and all the way through high school. There's a lot of different events that you should go to, but there is one change. We had an unexpected emergency happen this week, and so the Sixers party, which was the first party for incoming sixth graders, is going to move to next Sunday. So just so you know, it's going to be on the 12th instead of, um, so that's not next Sunday. It's going to be on the 12th instead of today, so 10 days later. Then also, I wanted to let you know that we are having a Fiesta deck party. The deck parties are something that we do each summer to get to know each other. It's basically after church, we grill out and hang out together. The Fiesta one is geared towards people that have been here for a year or less. And so, if you're newer to Waypoint and you want to join in, feel free to come to that. You can sign up for that um, through the Church Center app, but we would love to have you there. Lastly, I want to let you know about something that Waypoint did this past week. We uh, had been thinking about the children's ministry a lot and looking at the position. Danielle Carrington had moved from the children's director to being focused on the daycare. The daycare's really exploded, and the teachers and staff there have done an amazing job. And so she needs to focus on that full time. And so we decided, what are we going to do? Well, we went ahead and hired Melissa Mack to take care of the upper grades, kindergarten through fifth grade, and we thought, well, what are we going to do for the younger grades? And we thought, well, there's somebody that's been here for a while and does an awesome job with different aspects that we've given her, and it's um, Heather Fowler has decided to join the Waypoint team with us, and she's got a passion for kids that are zero to five years old, and she's going to focus on that. So both of them are going to work part-time, but they're going to be really keyed in on the age groups that they're focused on instead of having a wider range. And so right now, Heather is in the kids' wing, meeting families, helping with check-in. I would encourage you to go say hello to her. Introduce yourself to her if you don't know who she is, and just say hello. Make her feel really welcomed. Now, with that, we have a fun service this morning. We have a really cool acoustic set. I think it gives out a really fun vibe, and so I hope that you enjoy worshiping with us. If you would, stand and greet people around you.
Yes, Lord, every victory is found in you today. Thank you, Jesus, for that freedom and for those victories.
closer to you this morning, that we would center our lives around all that you are, that we would put away all the things of ourselves and focus solely on you, all that you have forgiven, all that you have to give, that that's where our hearts would rest this morning. In your name we pray. Really glad you're here today. Last week we started a series in Ecclesiastes. My name is Blair, by the way. I do some of the teaching around here. And uh, we started a series, um, and afterwards, uh, somebody came up to me, a dentist did, in the lookout hall and said, I've never heard anybody do a series on Ecclesiastes before. And I thought to myself, that's because most people are smarter than I am, right? This is hard content. It's meant to cause you to wrestle with this stuff, and it can make you uneasy. It's not necessarily uh, positive, but I don't think Solomon was attempting to be negative either. I think he was trying to tell you the truth. This is the way it is, and if you know the truth, then you have choices and decisions that you have to make based on what's true. So uh, we want to go on today and, and take a step further into this. But I've realized that there will be some people here who will have missed last week. And I was wrestling with, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time bringing you up to speed, but these two weeks are kind of linked with each other. And I was trying to figure out how we were going to review it quickly. And I was listening on the radio and I heard a song. And my first reaction to that song was, yikes, that's terrible. And my second reaction, this is how messed up I am, my second reaction was, I have to play that in church, right? So we're going to play a snippet of this song. It's Ariana Grande, Seven Rings, and, um, and you're, we're just going to play part of it. You, you're going to know this because it's playing on Top 40 Radio right now. You don't even have to try hard to hear it, okay? This is the song. Check this out. There's a whole lot more from where that came from. 
You're just probably never going to see it. Okay. Solomon lived that song 3,000 years ago before Ariana Grande ever sang anything like that. He had the power, the money, and the wisdom to get whatever he wanted, and he did. Listen, um, Ecclesiastes 2.10 records what he said. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He's all in. And he has the power to get whatever he wants. If he sees it and he likes it and he wants it, he gets it. And he reports back that he drew a conclusion after he lived that way. Not only did he draw a conclusion, it made him feel a certain way. And he records both of those in the scriptures for us. His conclusion was, this was in verse 2 of the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. That's not a cheery report back, but it doesn't get any better. Because in the second chapter, verse 17, he says, so I hated life. He says, listen, you can do this. You can go out and see the stuff. You can like it, you can want it, and you can get it. And you can get whatever it is that's out there in the world has to offer you right now. You can give yourself to that. You can pile it up all you want. And at the end of the day, it will be no big deal. It will be meaningless to you. Now, he's not saying this in an attempt to put us in a hopeless state. This is really important. I want you to hear this. Why he said this is because this is the way things already are. When we decide that we're going to go out and pursue the stuff that makes us happy, that elevates us, doesn't matter what it is, you can go out there and pursue good things, but if it's about you, if it's about making you happy, if it's about getting what you want, and believing that if you got enough of it and you piled up enough of that in your life, you'll be satisfied, the end is that it's meaningless. And Solomon wanted us to know that our standard response to this life that we've been given, to go out and grab as much as we can get, is a meaningless pursuit. Which leads to some questions, right? For instance, what do I do Monday morning when my alarm clock goes off? I mean, if everything's meaningless, I've got chores ahead, I've got some groceries to buy. Maybe you have to go to school, maybe you're finally out of school and you have days ahead of you where they're just free open days. And that looks exciting. Maybe you have to get up and there's a job that you go to. And maybe you like it, maybe it just pays the bills. But in terms of purpose and meaning, it's, it's not really there for you. The question is, when that alarm goes off on Monday morning, why even get out of bed? If it's all meaningless, if it doesn't amount to much of anything, what do we do? Well, Solomon's building um, a case here that's meant to draw you in to process and think. He wants you to wrestle and grapple with this stuff. And so he starts in a place that's not so good. He starts with making you wonder why, why do we do this? But he's not going to leave it there. He's going to start offering some different solutions. Except he's brilliant. And so he doesn't always just come out and say it. 
sometimes he does, he does some comparisons here, and he does it with language. And at some point, you're going to think, why are we talking so much about these words, Blair? You're being a little bit word nerdy here. I, wa- I want to be a little word nerdy because it matters to your life. He's saying some stuff that if we don't catch the similarities and the differences, we'll miss his big points. And he's about to draw a different conclusion that we're going to be able to look at today. And and you're going to wonder when you see it, how can that be? And that's exactly the point. That's exactly why he's doing it. Okay, so I want to start in chapter 3. Because he's kind of laid out that he went, he got, he sought, and it was empty. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. There is a time for everything. Everything. He just said it again. That is a big sweeping word. It encompasses a lot of stuff when you say everything. Like everything. It's so big. Um, My wife and I have decided that we won't use a word like that when we have arguments. When we have arguments, we're trying to find a way to get to a place where we can have understanding with each other. But when you throw a word like everything into the conversation, you throw fuel on the fire. When you say something like, everything you do, really, everything? Because I can find at least one example where that's not true. Let's have an argument. Right? It's, It's not good. But Solomon just used the word everything. He said it was everything was meaningless. And then he just said, there's a time for everything. And he goes on to say, and a season for every activity under the sun. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity. You should see when he says time and season, you should see the idea that there's a purpose. There's a purpose for everything. Do Do you understand the quandary he just put us in? Everything is meaningless. There's a purpose for everything. How can those two things be the same? Right? How can that be possible? Well, it is. And he gives us a hint with some words that he uses at the end of that sentence. He says the little phrase, under the heavens. That little phrase is used three times in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's meant to call out that there are certain things that are under God's domain. Now, we understand everything's under God's domain, but what we're saying is that there's a different place, and it happens um, 27 times in Ecclesiastes. There's a phrase that's used, under the sun. That's where you and I live. We're given some choices to make there, and we have choices. And although God is still in control of all of that, we we have the ability to make choices, and we do. But in God's domain, we don't have that ability. We don't have the ability to make choices there. He does and only he does. And he's suggesting right here that under the heavens, there's purpose. I would say it like this. It just it was easier for me to understand. Whenever you see the phrase under the sun in Ecclesiastes, you're going to hear him talking about how there is little or no purpose whatsoever under the sun, where we live, where we have the ability to make all of these choices, meaningless. But under the creator of the sun, everything has the ability to have purpose and meaning. 
So he's pointing out, listen, I want you to understand that, that under the sun, not so good. Under the creator of the sun, some pretty incredible stuff can happen. And then he goes on to make a point. He's going to help flesh this out for us a little bit. But I tell you what, it's difficult what he says next. Because he's going to make his second list. The first list he made was all the stuff that he gave himself to. All the stuff that he said, I want it, I'm going to get it, and he got it. He made a list of all of that. And fascinating, it's much of the same things that we still pursue today. 3,000 years ago, pursuing the same stuff led to a meaninglessness. But he says, listen, I'm going to make a list of the stuff that God can bring meaning to, purpose to. And it's a 50-50 list. It's, it's, it's got really good things paired with really, really terrible things. Each one it either starts with good and ends with bad. It starts with bad and ends with good. Let me give you a few examples. The list goes from verse 2 to verse 8 in chapter 3. So in verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Verse 6, a time to search and a time to give up searching. Verse, seven, or verse 6, the second part of that, if you want to add some tension into my household, a time to keep and a time to throw away, right? I believe it's a time to throw away. My wife is convinced it's a time to keep. So we have discussions about this verse. Now, here's what's fascinating. If you go and you read all of these, all of these kind of point-counterpoint things, you're going to find a list that's very common. Very common stuff. And broadly written. It's meant to engulf your whole life. And what Solomon is suggesting here is that your whole life has a lot of good and a lot of bad. And it's really easy. It's easy for us to see God's purposes in the good. In fact, we can get behind that. We can get excited about that. We can get excited about a newborn baby. But on the other side of that, we start to scratch our head. And we wonder, what, what could you be doing, God, on the negative side of this list? How could there be anything of value here? I mean, just take, for instance, in verse 6, when he said there's a time to search and a time to give up. Giving up is not a part of something that, that we like to do in our culture. We'll struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And, and we don't know when is the time to give up. When is the time to give up on searching for a new job? When is the time to give up on desiring to do something different with our life? We, we don't know. And so we wrestle with this stuff. But Solomon is suggesting that somewhere in here, there are purposes to be found that God understands. And he's not blind to what he just wrote here. He's, he knows that what he just said is difficult. Because look at what he says in verse 10. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He looks at the list that he just wrote and he said, listen, this is tough. This is a tough life. And I want you to understand that there's still a way for you to find some meaning here. 
So he starts by saying this in verse 11. He, God, has made everything. There's that word again, everything. He's, he's using that to draw you into the narrative because you're going to start asking yourself, how can everything be everything? And it's meant, to meant, it's meant to make you wrestle. He's made everything beautiful in its time. God has the ability to take the stuff that's good and the stuff that's terrible and in his time, he makes something beautiful with that. Now he helps us understand this a little bit more. In verse 11, he goes on. He said, he's also set eternity in the human heart. You want to know why you long for purpose, why it's important for us? Because there is something wired into us that we know is bigger than us, that's more important. God has wired eternity into the souls of mankind. They long for something that has meaning and purpose. But look at what he says. He says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's so big. His ways are so mysterious for us that you can't see where he started off with something and you can't see where it could end. You can't even fathom the in-between parts at times. But... But God has a way in his time, and maybe it's not while you're alive on earth, but there's a bigger plan that he has going, that when something terrible comes into your life, that he steps into that and says, in my timing, I can use this for something beautiful. And he has a purpose for doing that. Now, if that's the case, if that's the case, then the conclusion that he's about to draw in verses 12 and 13 start to make sense. He says this in verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. <laughs> How can I be happy if it's all meaningless, right? Remember we talked about the meaninglessness last week was about the stuff that you pursued for yourself. He's saying, no, there's something else here that you could do. He says in verse 13, that each may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toll. This is the gift of God. Now, I want to be really careful here. There's a very famous section of scripture out of Isaiah chapter 22, verse 13, where some Israelites have gotten to a place in their life where they just feel like everything is meaningless. And they make this statement, let's eat, drink, and, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. And it looks like that's what Solomon is saying right here, but he is not. Solomon already did that with his life. He pursued all of that stuff. He got it. He pulled it in. And he said, that is meaningless. That, that is a waste of your life. To go out and try to pull in as much happiness as you can before you die, that is meaningless for you. He's saying something very different here. He's saying, listen, if you start to understand that God has a beginning and an end, and is at work doing things that we can't fully understand, then in the moments that come into your life, you can enjoy that. 
You don't, have to, you don't have to find purpose in something that you can't fully understand, but you can enjoy something that comes from the gift, a gift of God into your life. It's handed to you. It's meant to make a difference while you toil, while you work. That when you find that good thing, you find enjoyment. I was... Uh, kind of fascinated last weekend my wife had a birthday and uh-huh I, I will not tell you that she had the wrong birthday but um she thought she was older than she was and I had to help her with that uh she was really happy she got a year back she's been celebrating ever since um but what I was fascinated with is uh Zion and Kuda uh, brought my wife a vacuum cleaner for her birthday right and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this, and I thought, oh, my. I do not know how this is going to go, right? Because I have supplied utility gifts at Christmas and birthdays before, and we've had very clear conversations about what merits a gift and what does not in our household, right? And that fit into a utility kind of gift in my mind, and I was thinking, she handled this, right? And she starts acting all bubbly. Like she's happy. She's giving him hugs. And I'm sitting there going, if that would have been my vacuum cleaner that I presented on a golden platter, there would have been a conversation about what is an appropriate and inappropriate gift at certain times in our relationship, right? So I inquired, I inquired, hey, what gives? Vacuum cleaner happy? If I did that, I know there would be a conversation. And she confirmed there would have been a conversation. <laughs> so I said, why? What's the difference? She said, it's motive. It's motive. See, I knew their motive when they brought that thing to me was to do something really kind for me. But Blair, you and I, you and I have a different relationship. There is a level of love that we experience together. And when I get a gift from you, I want that love to be seen and to be shown. I want it to, I want it to reflect that you know me better than anybody else. And you got me something I would want, not something I would need Dang it. That's harder. Right? But it's at the heart of what we have to grasp this morning. Because the reason that we can step into this world that we live in and take from the hand of God the good stuff and the bad is because we know the motive of the God who delivers that kind of stuff. See, he doesn't do all the bad stuff in our life. Sometimes we get bad because of our choices. Sometimes it's because of other people's choices. But what God does when he sees that is he steps into that and says, I know you won't be able to grasp this. I know you won't be able to see this. You can't see the beginning of this. You can't see the end of this. But I'm going to take this thing. And I'm going to bring some good out of that. 
And in the meantime, even though you can't see that, what I'm going to supply into your life are moments of good. And when it happens, I want you to respond with a grateful heart because you understand the motives I have behind the life that you're living. Can I give you a few examples? So if you go on a family vacation this year, you got a week planned in the summer, and if you've done that so that you can extract meaning and purpose out of your family, and that's where you find like everything for you, you're going to be disappointed at the end of your life because it's going to be meaningless. It's incredible to say, but it's true. But if you were on that family vacation and you experienced an incredible moment, maybe the whole week is good and it's sweet, and you look at that as a gift of God into your life, and you turn and you say to God, I am so grateful for what you have given me in this life right now. It is a different perspective that you're choosing to live with. If you're in a season of mourning where there's been a loss, you lost a job that you cared about, lost, um, you lost a possession that you cared about, you lost somebody that you cared about, and if you've been trying to extract the meaning out of life, out of that thing, and now it's gone, you're going to be left feeling hopeless. But see, when you understand that God was at play in this, and he's going to find some way to bring something out of that that means something of value, then you can remember and recall that God gave you a passion for that. God gave you a love for that person. God gave you something in the first place that even causes you to feel a sense of loss. And that was good. And it was a gift of God into your life. And despite the bad, you're turned back to God. Do you see the difference here? Is that you're about to step into a life where you have choices to make every day. And God says, listen, I want to warn you. If you decide to grab this stuff, because that's where you find your purpose, that's where you find your meaning, that's what gives you your value as a person, you're going to come up short in whatever it is in this world. If you chase stuff under the sun, you're going to be disappointed. But if your purpose in life is to chase the creator of the sun, then in those good moments, you're going to celebrate because you know it's from my hand. It's not you. It was from me. And in those bad moments, you know that my motive is to find a way over the course of time to bring purpose and meaning into that in a way that you couldn't understand. And so you trust me. And so your life is still hard, it's still difficult, but there are moments when it's good and you celebrate and it pulls you closer to your creator because he's the prize. See, on Monday morning when your alarm goes off, you get to wake up and you get to determine where you're going to aim your life towards. Am I going to aim my life towards the stuff that I think if I gathered in, I'm going to be really happy? A lot of people are doing that in our culture right now. They're comparing themselves with everybody else. 
They are sad, they're desperate, and they're doing crazy stuff. That's why the suicide rate is so high. They assume they've become a failure in life. And instead, you could have woken up and you could have pursued God. And instead of lying awake at night wondering why you can't have enough, why that thing is going wrong, why, 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 you can decide that the pursuit of my life was this person and I know his motives towards me are good. And when I run into the good, I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to pull the most out of it. And when I'm dealing with the bad, I'm going to just rest because I can't see the beginning I can't see the end, but I can see him, and that's going to be enough. And that gives you purpose for everything. You can chase everything that the world has to offer. It will be meaningless. Or you could wake up on Monday and chase the creator of the sun and find meaning in everything that you do. What will you do Monday morning? Let me pray with you. God, I've been challenged uh, by Solomon's words because it is so easy to compare my life to others. It's so easy to look at the moments when things are not good and to wonder why, God, where are you, God? How could you let this happen, God? And yet, your motives towards us are motives to find a way to bring everything, everything in its time and its season into a purpose. You've, you've got this. And we've got to make choices. And whether we're going to go and gather stuff for ourselves or pursue you. And it is the difference between a life full of purpose and a life that's full of stress and striving and sleepless nights and worry and fret. God, I ask that you would make the, the choice that we have clear. You are the prize. And when anything else comes in the way, it takes us to a place with no meaning and purpose. Help us to examine, examine our lives, examine our weeks, examine our choices. Help us to wake up Monday morning with you on our mind. Help us to celebrate the good. And trust you when it's not. We love you. Pursue our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?
just ask you just uh, be with us the rest of this week. In your name, amen. You're dismissed. Seek to cure what's deep inside.